morning, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be reading from Mark chapter 6, verse 34. We're going to be reading from the book of Mark chapter 6, verse 34. If you'll stand with me one more time, I know we, we sit down, we stand up, we sit down, we stand up. Welcome to Christian Life Church. We move around a lot. Let's read Mark chapter 6, verse 34, and it reads like this. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. But he answered to them and said, you give them something to eat. I'm going to jump to Mark chapter 16. This is Jesus' final farewell. He's commissioning, commissioning his people. This was his final word to his church, to his followers. And this is what he has for us this morning. Mark chapter 16 verse 15 reads like this. It's familiar. And he said to them, go into all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. I'm going to say it one more time. Go into all the world. Go into all the world. Go into every neighborhood. Go into every highway, every byway, every hedge. Go into every neighborhood you don't feel like going in. And you compel them and you preach the gospel to every creature. You tell every creature about the death, the burial, and the resurrection. You go tell them there's a better way and there's a different way. You tell them all in Jesus' name. Let's all bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for your anointing and your power that is in this house. Lord, I pray right now that you move in this house this morning. Use me. Help me to get out of the way, Lord. Help me to say exactly what you want me to say. We need a move from the Lord, not a move from Chase or anyone else. God, speak through me. Anoint my notes, anoint my mind, and anoint their ears. Lord, please just touch us today. Just move in this place today. It is You are the reason for the season, God. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to preach to you for a few moments this very, very simple, if not hard, to understand subject, and it's this. If not me, then who? Look at your neighbor and say, if not me, then who? Come on, let's say it together, church. If not me, come on, if not me, then who? Then who? As we lean into this moment in time when Jesus miraculously feeds the multitude of people, something stands out this morning that has never really stood out to me before and has gotten into my spirit about this, this account in Mark's gospel. Don't get me wrong. Looking over this story, we are reminded of God's infinite power and ability to turn a little into more than enough. Feeding 5,000 people with just five loaves and two fish is no small feat. That's not a lot of food, but there was a lot of people. It takes the lyrics to the song that we sing or we used to sing. You don't need a whole lot, but just use what you got. 
and it places it in perspective, clear perspective. Our God is more than able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, more than we could ask or think. And He is not ignoring our prayers. And He sees us in our weakest moments. And He loves us right where we're at. It's in this moment that we're not only reminded of the power of God, but we're also shown the love that Jesus has for His people. The Bible says He was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. I just want to move Jesus. I just pray that my prayer and my worship and my life and the righteousness that I have, I carry, moves Jesus. He was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. I love this story found in Mark's gospel because it opens our eyes to the fact that Jesus is able to be moved with compassion with you and for me and for our families. That in our worst moments, that He loves us. In our worst moments, Brother Shannon, He cares about us. When we fall, I still love you. When you make the biggest mistake of your life, I still care about you. When you've made the mistake that no one else can forget, what are you talking about? We serve a God that not only has miraculous power, but has huge, enormous compassion for his people. He cares for us so much that he laid down his life for us. You don't have to have it all together this morning to capture the eye of God. We are already the apple of God's eye. You are already the source of His love. You are the one that God looks after. You are the one that God goes before. Your life is the life that God gave His life for. Listen to me this morning. We are the apple of His eye. And I love what Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says. It says, but God. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners. Let that sink in for a second this morning. There, what, there is nothing that you could do or could have done to ever earn the love of God. You hear me this morning. He sees you right where you're at. He sees you in the condition you're in. He sees you with the mistakes you have made. He sees you for everything that you're worth. He knows about the mistake before you make the mistake. And regardless of what you do, He still commanded His love towards you. What a mighty God we serve. That's why we come in here on a Sunday morning. Memo chants and we sing words, you're worthy of it all. It's not because I've done everything right, Josh. It's not because I've got all my, my ducks in a row. It's the opposite. It's because I've fallen time and time and time again. But yet, He still loves me. And yet, His mercy and His grace is still new every morning. We seem to be pulling from a resource that cannot run out. A river that cannot run dry. He loves us. He commands His love. Toward us. And I love that. Darren, I love that. I love it. And right here found on the very pages of this story about feeding a multitude. This is a display of 
how Jesus feels about us and what Jesus can do for us. He can do anything for us. But while studying this event, something stood out to me that had never stood out to me before. And what stood out to me and what still stands out to me was in this very moment that God was trying to help hurting people. It was his own followers trying to send them away. When God was saying, look at the multitude, they're hungry, they need me. It was his own followers saying, well, we don't have enough food, send them away. Somebody else can take care of them. It was in this very moment that the disciples' solution to get rid of the need was to get rid of the needy. Send them away, Lord. Send them away. Let somebody else help them. Let them be somebody else's problem. They've caused too much drama. They've been too much of a problem. I've prayed for them for 30 years. I've fasted for them for months. I've done everything I could do. Send them away, Lord. The response to Jesus was, Lord, it would take a year's wages to feed this multitude. One meal. And they'll just be hungry again tomorrow. Send them away. Brother Hodge, send them away. We can't help them. Send them away. We can't do anything for them. Get them out of our sight. We can't help them. And I just wonder this morning how many hungry, broken, needy people we have sent away because we couldn't see what God was wanting to do. I just wonder how many times God has wheeled some hurt person in front of us, but because the circumstances wasn't right, we couldn't do it. We had thoughts like, well, God, I'll bless them when you bless me. And God, when I get past my little problems, I'll help them with their problems. And God, when you give me a big enough house, I'll bring people over and have a prayer meeting. And God, when you blow, God, when you give me a blessing in my finances, I'll bless the church. I just wonder this morning, how many people, how many people have walked away or been sent away because we've had excuses? And the thought breaks my heart this morning. How many times was it my solution? How many times was it my solution to get rid of a need? I just got rid of the needy. When God puts the need in my life, how many times have we made excuses? How many times have I made excuses? We don't have enough for ourselves, much less anybody else, Mama D. I'll help people when God helps me. Why would I invite somebody to my church? I'll invite them when it gets perfect. Well, baby, I got bad news for you. If you were waiting on it to get perfect, you're going to mess it up. Stop waiting on it to get perfect. Stop waiting on the circumstances to be right. We are here for one reason and one reason alone. Outside of praising his name is to reach the lost. And if that's not your MO, then you need to go find an altar and change the way you see things. I'll give more to the kingdom when I get a better job. I don't have enough right now. I'll spend more time in prayer when I have more time to pray. Got news for you. It ain't coming. I'll read the Bible more when I have more time to read the Bible. 
but yet you start another Netflix show. I hate to get where you're living, but I'm getting where you're living this morning. Forgive me, I'm a medal for a minute. We want the blessings of God, but we don't love the book of God. We want all the blessings that this Bible possesses, but we never crack it open. We want the blessings that God promises us, but we never read about the blessings. We want the promises of the children, but yet we never act like children. And I'm guilty I'm not getting on to you this morning. I'm preaching to me. How many times, how many times has God put an unction on my heart to do something and I did nothing? Oh, Jesus. I don't have enough. Can I tell you this morning, you don't have to have enough. You just have to have something. He looks past the lack of, and he multiplies because of what we have. Can I tell you this morning that God is not intimidated with what you do not have. God is not intimidated with what you do not possess. God is not scared of your downfalls and your failures. As a matter of fact, God wants you to get yourself right so he can use your downfalls and your failures to tell a testimony of how good he is. You ain't got to get it all together, but what you do have to do is get somebody to this church. What you do have to do is tell somebody about Jesus Christ. What you do have to do is proclaim his gospel. Furthermore, this morning... He's not looking for what you do have. He's looking for what you have enough of. It's what you already possess. God has already given each and every one of us this morning everything we need to reach our families. He's already given every one of us this morning everything we need to reach the lost. He's given you everything you need this morning to reach a neighbor or a friend or a soul. But God, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. Well, God is saying, well, what do you have? What do you have? Because people of God, we have been blood bought. We have been covered by the blood of the Lamb. Our sins have been washed away by the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. What else could we possibly need? We have been commissioned to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus' last commandment was not go build the big, and I, like, I want a big house. Do not take me wrong. You're supposed, I want you to be blessed. I believe you're supposed to be blessed. Blessings are a good thing. But Jesus' last words were not, Brother Eric, go build the biggest house that you can possibly build. Jesus' last commandment wasn't go buy the fastest, nicest car or the biggest jacked up truck or become the most famous or the most loved or the most popular. No, what Jesus said to his people as he left this world was go into the world and reach the lost because if not you then who if not you then who in the name of Jesus that's what God has told us this morning we have to stop making excuses our treasure you know where our treasure is found this morning it's in heaven our treasure is in heaven Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 says, Do not lay for, up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth 
nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We have to get our eyes off of this temporary life and fix your eyes on eternity. God has called everyone in this room to be a soul winner. God has called everyone in this room to reach their family. God has called everyone in this room to reach the lost. You may say, I can't do it, and God's saying, yes, you can. You have everything you need. There are souls being weighed in the balance, and I ask you this morning, if not you, then who? Let that sink in. If not me, then who? September 11th, 2001 is a day that many of us will never forget. I know it may not look it, but I was, I was in eighth grade when that happened, so I remember it pretty well. I can still remember right where I was when the news of the World Trade Center broke across the intercom. And then a few moments later, the news of the South Tower at 9 o'clock, around 9 o'clock, broke as well. It's a moment in time that has forever changed my world and it's forever changed our world. It was on this day, on September the 11th of 2001, there was a young man by the name of Wells Crowther. His name was forever cemented as an American hero. Wells was a 24-year-old man that worked as an equities trader, but he was also a volunteer firefighter. He was a graduate of Boston College where he played lacrosse on the lacrosse team for four years. Wells was just a normal guy leading a normal life on a normal day. But at 9.03 a.m. on a Tuesday morning, Wells' day and his life would be forever changed. It was on this day on the 78th floor of the South Tower of the World Trade Center that a plane would fly through the side of the building. It was on this day that the World Trade Centers would be attacked and our country would move into a place of war. But on this day, on September the 11th, 2001, when the attacks on the World Trade Center began, Wells was no longer a day trader. Wells was a firefighter. Through telephone calls, Wells was known to have been in his office at approximately 9 a.m. However, he was later recovered on March 19, 2002. He lost his life along with the FDNY firefighters and emergency services personnel who had been operating with the FDNY command center in the lobby of the South Tower. Wells' final hour remained a mystery until an article, uh, a mystery until an article about the September 11th was printed in the New York Times mentioning eyewitness reports of a mysterious man with a red bandana on the 78th floor sky lobby of the Second World Trade Center when the second plane crashed into the South Tower. This is where Wells was likely to have been at the time since he was ultimately able to get down to the main lobby before the tower collapsed. Eyewitnesses reported that after the plane had hit into the sky lobby, a man suddenly appeared out of nowhere. He was stripped down to his t-shirt and wearing a red bandana to cover his nose and his mouth. It was protection against the smoke and the debris. This man organized a rescue effort on the floors high above where the official rescue workers were able to reach. He called for fire extinguishers. He found and directed dazed and confused victims to, only, to the only stairwell that was open for escape. And he carried a woman 
down to the 61st floor and then return back to the 78th floor to rescue more people. And once he turned back again to go up to the uh, second time to bring more survivors down, eyewitnesses reported of this man that this man spoke calmly with authority and he was obviously well trained. He was reported to have saved many lives that day on September 11th. This man in a red bandana. I know you've seen my red bandana on my backpack. It's not because I'm part of some gang. They wouldn't accept me. I'd never make it. Knowing that our son always carried a red bandana in his right back pocket, Wells' mother believed that the description of this mysterious man fit her son. His character, his training, and his likely location at the time So his mother sent recent photographs of her son to the eyewitnesses, the survivors. And the witnesses begin to confirm one by one that it was Wells Crowther. He was the man in the red bandana who had helped save the lives on September 11th. This woman came to find out that it was the bravery of her son going back into a burning, crushing, falling building that saved 18 people that day. I want to tell you this morning that Wells could have easily saved his own life. Wells had made it to the floor, but he realized that there was still a need and there were still people dying. He could have easily made it to safety, but instead, Wells put on his red bandana and began to pull people from harm's way, giving his life for the very people he was trying to save. Over here, over here. I don't know if you can see your way out, but I'm over here. The stairway well is over here. Well's there prepared with his red bandana over here. Over here, safety is this way. And I just wonder this morning, and I'm just here to tell this beautiful body of Christ this morning that it is time for every one of us to put on our spiritual red bandanas and start reaching out to our families and start reaching out to our communities and saying, over here, over here, I know the truth. I know the way. I know the life. I know the answer. I know a God. His name is Jesus. This way. This way. It may cost you everything, but it's worth it. It may cost you your life or your position, but it's worth it. It may cost you your reputation, but it's worth it. It's time for us to start reaching into that burning inferno, brother, glass and start pulling people out of hell. It's time to start looking at our neighbors and our friends and our co-workers and saying, hey, I don't know if you can tell the signs, but baby, this is wrapping up. You better get it right. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about what he's done for me. Let me tell you what he can do for you. It may cost us everything, but it's worth it. You hear me this morning, it's worth it. If not you, then who? If not you, then who? I ask you this morning, Noah, when God appears to Noah and says, Noah, build me a ship. Build me a ship big enough to bring animals two by two. It's got to be big. I'm about to flood this world. What if Noah said, no, God, I can't do it? I can't do it. It's too big. The boat's too big. It's too much work for me. I don't have the IQ. I don't have the education. All I have is a bunch of naysayers. My own sins. Sons don't even want to help me. What if Noah says no? What if Abraham? 
When God appears to him and says, get out of your country and leave everything that you know. What if Abraham says, no, God, I like where I'm at. My life is good. Let somebody else do it. Where are we at this morning if Moses likes his life in the palace more than he likes the persecution? Where are we at this morning if Moses looks at that burning bush and says, I appreciate you thinking about me, God, but you're going to have to find somebody else. God, I think I appreciate you thinking so highly of me, but I can't do it. I like my life in the palace. I like all my servants. I like my cushy reputation. Oh, no, where would we be if David never picks up those stones and says, I'll slay a Goliath? Where would we be this morning? Where would we be if the apostles never went to the upper room and the Holy Ghost never fail and we never received the gift of the Holy Ghost where would we be if a man named Paul said no God I'm going to continue to persecute where would we be this morning if they said no where would you be this morning Jay come here this is Jay Paul it's one of the greatest men I know Jay, where would the Rosses be if you didn't stop and invite him to church? Where would the Rosses be if you didn't say, I've got a church? It might not be perfect. It might not have everything you need, but it's got Jesus. Where would you be this morning, Brother James, if it wasn't for a Jay? Mama D, come here. Mama D. Mama D's got a prayer group that prays every morning at 9 o'clock. If you don't know, you can go join her. She'd love to have you. That's free. Listen here. Where would those ladies be? Where would those ladies be if they didn't have a woman that was so sold out on revival that she said, come to my house. We'll pray. I don't care what church you go to. I don't care where you're from. I just want to pray for you. Where would we be this morning? Where would we be this morning? Josh, come here. And this is true to my heart. This is, this is, this is. I text Josh this week and I said thank you for being a soul winner thank you and I ask you this morning and I don't say this to pull on heartstrings, but I ask you this morning where would the nights be where would the nights be is when, John, when, when he did the electrical work and they tried to pay him and, they, and all Josh could say was I don't want your money I just want you to come to church am I telling it right I don't want your money I just want you to join me on Sunday morning where would they be if it wasn't for a Josh, where would they be? Carson, where would the Lance and, and Danette be if you would have invited Lexi? You may not realize it, but everybody affects somebody. And if not you, then who? It's our job. It is our God-given commandment to pick up a red bandana and say, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Lord, I don't know, but I know you can. And I know because you've given me power, I know I can do anything. I know I can do anything. Over here, over here, over here, Pierce, over here, safety, over here, Jesus' name, baptism, over here, the truth, over here, forgiveness is over here, an altar is over here, a home for you is over here. 
alive for you is over here. Just come with me. Let me tell you about a God who's changed my life. He's over here. It's time. It's time that we put down the excuses on why we can't and we pick up why we can. It's time for us to go into those fires and say it may cost me everything. And I may lose my own life in the process of it all. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Over here. Over here. Eternity begins over here. Church, I don't know. I don't know how close of attention you're paying. But everything that's been prophesied in this book, and I'm not some scholar that can see it, but I see enough to know that we're, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, but it's coming to an end. And one of these days we will be in the sweet by and by with Jesus. One of these days we're going to walk on streets of gold. And the last thing I want is for God to bring me to the edge of heaven and say, this is the revival you could have had. Your cousin that you're always praying for could have been saved if you'd have just picked up the phone and called him. Your sister that you pray for every day could have been delivered if you'd have just picked up a phone and called her. If not us, then who? If not you and not me, then who? Mark 13 and 32, this is Jesus talking to his followers and he says, But of that day and that hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray. For you do not know when the time is. Watch therefore. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly, you may, he may find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to everyone else, watch. 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 Watch for your kids. Watch for your sons and your daughters. You watch for your neighbors. You are to be a beacon of hope, a beacon of light. That's what this church is called to be. we got to get our eyes off of everybody else and everything else and what everybody's doing and what they don't have. And we got to get our eyes on Jesus. And we got to get our eyes on the purpose while we're still here. Because if we're not going to do that, then we have no reason to be here anymore. The only reason God has left you here is so you can reach people, so you can drag them to church or drag them to a Bible study or drag them to a prayer meeting and tell them about him because without your voice they may never hear of him and I never I don't want to get to heaven and say Lord I'm sorry I realize there was so much more I could have done but I really just like my life a whole lot better the Bible says a man that will save his life will lose it but he who will lose his life for my sake will find it. You may stand with me this morning. Church, you have neighbors. Listen to me. You have neighbors. You have family. You have kids. You have people you don't care for very much all around you dying without the knowledge of who he is and what he can do in their life. And I ask you this morning, will you partner with God and stop making excuses 
about what we don't have and start realizing it's about more about what I already have. And God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand in the fire. God, I may be burned. God, I may lose everything, but Lord, a soul is worth it. It's worth it. And this morning, I'm speaking to a lost soul this morning. If you walked into this house, and maybe you didn't have it all together, maybe you don't have it all together, but during this moment, you begin to think, you know what, Lord, I just need my soul saved. I'd love to save a soul, but Lord, would you first save me? Can I tell you, it's just as easy as making your way down to an altar, repenting, being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is that easy. Do you know there's nothing special you have to do besides get up from behind where you're sitting? There's nothing special you have to do other than give your life to Him and follow the plan of salvation. So this morning, if you walked in here, God still loves you. Hear me this morning. God still loves you. And there's nothing you can do to change the way God feels about you. I made the biggest mistake of my life. Oh, well. I don't have much. You don't really realize what you have. Where would people be if someone didn't care? Where would you be if your parents wouldn't have drug you to a church on a Sunday morning? Where would you be if grandmother and grandpa weren't here already and, and gave you a place to grow in Christ? Where would you be if a van wouldn't have picked you up? Where would you be? And all, it's a, it's a crazy thought, but all I'm asking this morning is, can we stop being so inward focused and focus outward and say, where would they be if I don't go? Where would that family be if I don't go? This morning, here's what I want us to do. I want us to all step forward as a family this morning, as a church family. Come forward. Come on, everybody, let's move quickly. As I begin to prepare this week, I woke up Monday. I woke up Monday and was burdened. I said, Lord, I don't know why all of a sudden I've always been worried about lost people, but for some reason, God, that's all I can think about. That's all I can think about is lost people. And then I looked over at my backpack and I was reminded of, of Wells. I was reminded of his story. It's not some secret. The world knows the story. And in that moment, I felt God speak to me and say, tell him. Tell them it's time to stop it make, making excuses and to start dragging people into this church. Start dragging people into prayer rooms. Dragging people into prayer meetings. And this morning, I have something I want to leave with you. Don't leave this place without a red bandana. Because here's what I want. Put this somewhere. Place this in your Bible. Put it on your backpack. Probably not the ones that go to high school. Don't do that, but put it in your Bible. We don't want nobody coming at you. What's crazy is this bandana that can mean so much. That can mean something so awful. And 
this moment resembles something so good that, that Lord, no matter what, there's souls at hand. There's people that need to be reached. I've got to move past my excuses. I've got family members that need to be touched. I've got lost people that I want to reach. And this morning, I just ask you as a family, a church family, Christian Life Church, can we partner together? Can we partner together and become worried more about the ones that are on the outside than everything else that's going on around you? Because I can guarantee you this, you'll, if you'll begin to become kingdom-minded and think about the souls that need to be won and the souls that are lost, God will begin to work out your business. God spoke to this to me one time, and I've never forgotten it. I was in a rough time in my life, Brother Josh. I didn't have much. Me and Taylor, we were struggling. We were young married. We're still young married. We've been married for 11 years. Happy anniversary. I love you. That's three. We didn't have much. You know how it is being young married. And we were so prideful, we wouldn't ask for help. We, did. we ate so many $5 hot and ready's from Little Caesars. Can't stand them, Brother Shannon. I don't like them. were struggling and we didn't have much and I didn't have a good job and I'd lived a life that was so reckless that I had a lot of debt and everything was caving around me and I went to a prayer room night with my father-in-law and God spoke to me so plainly because I kept making excuses. Jay, I can't do anything because I, my life is a mess. Brother Kirkland, I can't go to the Grace Place and serve people. I need something served to me. I can't pray for them. I need somebody to pray for me. I can't even pay my bills. I, my lights are about to be turned off. They're about to come take my truck, Lord. And it was in that moment that God spoke to me and said, I'll tell you something, Jay Zoid. If you'll take care of my business, I'll take care of your business. And I want to tell you this morning, if you'll take care of his business, he'll take care of your business. And his business is the lost. I know it's not very deep. Doesn't have to be. His business is the lost. Lori, his business is the lost. From the front to the back, hear me. His business is the lost. You got neighbors, you got friends, you got family. They need to hear about Jesus. So right now we're going to bow our heads. And I want us to go to the Lord in prayer. And I want us right now to begin to pray that God will place a burden for the lost upon our hearts. That God will place a burden on our hearts. And that's all we'll be able to think about. Not my big house. Not my big car. Not temporary things. But God, I want to store up my treasure in heaven. Oh Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you place a burden for the lost on us. God, we have family members. God, we have lost loved ones. God, we have friends. We have neighbors. They need to hear the good news of the gospel. They need to know about the death, the burial, and the resurrection. God, there are people that need to know more about you. Jesus, right now, I pray that you give me a burden and you let a burden for the lost fall upon this church. In the name of Jesus, right now. Ah, in the name of Jesus.